0: Thank you, ma'am. Come on, y'all can do better than that for her. Come on. Hey, Amen. get started. You know, and a lot of people don't know my history. I kind of share it on Sunday mornings. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And God's convicted me on a few of it. But, you know, you guys know what I talk about as being a foster kid. And um, I was placed in a home at 13 months old. And that was my second home because my first home I was taken to, and then I was too dark, so they sent me back to the agency, so I learned about reconciliation real quick as a young man. And uh, my my mother took me, my foster mother and my dad took me, and at that time my mother knew she had been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and she dealt with it and went to surgery and, and did all these other different things, and I think it was about 1972. She had came home and she told everybody I'm not going to have any more surgery. I'm just going to leave it to Jesus and leave it to God. And I want to live my life. And at the same time she said I need you because I think I was about 13 years old. I need you. I'm going to start teaching you how to be a man because I know my time is short And I'm not fearing death. I love this life, but I think God's going to keep me here long enough, since I took you in, long enough to raise you up until I can depart, which was amazing. So get my days right. I was 15, and she she was sick the night before. And my mother always gave me wisdom, even when I didn't want to hear it, because I was always, you know, I'm young, I'm a teenager, I know everything. You now that works. I don't know if that works today. I think teen, I know teenagers are humble today. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old not to understand that. And I know the night before, she actually called me, because I used to go get her water every night, and she used to talk to me, because she was testing me on being humble, because I was very trying to deal with stuff. I was very. I wasn't rebellious, but I was very angry. And she called me in at 2 o'clock morning to get her water, because my dad slept downstairs, because he didn't want to mess with her, because she was confined to the bed toward the last part of her days. And that last night, we got into it. And I'm like, why are you so angry? Basically, I didn't say that. You never said that growing up. You never talked back growing up. But she was trying to instill something in me, a 10-year vision in my life. Don't you be selfish. Don't You better stop acting selfish. Stop acting this way. And she gave me a checklist of stuff. And I'm like, why are we doing this at 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, I went to school and came back. My dad came home. She wasn't there. She was going to get a blood transfusion. And what happened was he came back. He said, Mom, your mama passed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe how I treated her. I'm like, oh. So she passed away. And I started to think about those things she said. And I didn't get to about maybe I was 30 years old. I figured out that she was giving me a prescription on life. And she knew she only had enough time. Today, as we go into our Philippian story, I'm going to read about Paul. He had a conflict. But he, result, he actually resolved that conflict. He said, to me to live is Christ's to me to die is gain. didn't understand it because I was selfish. My mother died and I was mad at God. Then my, six months later, my dad died and I was really upset. And here I am by myself with a sister cell. You can come live with me. That didn't last long. Trying to get out of high school, I said, let me go get me a job. Stay in school and I'm going to get me an apartment. So I bought me and got me an apartment. Lived in Queens. And I started to carry my life because at that time, he he couldn't be a teenager. He couldn't do anything at 17, 18, 19. You would have to be responsible. But then it took me back that the years I had with my my mother was fantastic. But what was greater was the information and the wisdom she gave to me. So when I got older, I started saying she had to go because her body was suffering here on earth. It was decaying. But she's going to be in heaven, and I'll see her again in a new body. So it's good for her to go. She wrestled between the two for many of years. But then when she resulted that in 1972, she came to, hey, to be here is great. To be there is even better. No more surgeries. No more losing my hair. No more chemotherapy. None of that stuff. And you're growing up. And you'll be fine. And I was able to get through those years. Hook or crook. From what she gave me. When we get into the story of Philippians. The first week we talked about the fellowship of the gospel. We talked about the furtherance of the gospel. Today we're going to spend a little time in chapter 1. Talking about the faith of the gospel. And that story I shared with you is about basically how Paul felt about the Philippian church. He was in prison, if you were here last week, talked about he was in prison, chained to a guard, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he had a desire in his heart to be with Jesus or to stay here. He says, I'm caught in between the two. It was amazing conflict that he had. But um, it was amazing because he said, for me to be here, it would be better for you guys to help you along, to establish you as a nice thriving church because they were a thriving church, but they were going through some things we're going to read about. They were going through some uh, division. They were going through some uh, persecution. They were a little afraid of the people dealing with that. We're going to read that from nine, verses 19 to 30, but he says it's best if I stay to help you get through. Same thing when I read that. I so said, I heard that before. It's best that I'm only going to only stay because I want to bless you and I want to extend the kingdom of God. I'm only staying to do something good. Otherwise, if I'm not going to stay, I'm going to do something bad. I'm going to go be with Jesus. It's amazing when you, when you hit that light thing in your life, what's really important, what's really important, and Paul crossed that line. It's the same life as Jesus. I know after 33 years, I mean, 30 years, he's like, man, do I have to stay here any longer? I had a great in heaven, but I must help a people, Godfather, to extend your kingdom. A life worth living. How about you? To live is what? Money? To die? Can't take it with you. To live is popularity. To die, forgotten. To li- we all have to answer that question. To live as a victim and die, disappointed. That's amazing. When we read this, you'll see Paul had the conflict. He resolved the conflict, but he passed it to the church, a church who says to live is Christ. To die is gain. That means it's a win-win situation. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 19, and we'll read the 30. And there's some key words I'm going to have you underline. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ until this turns out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage. You want to go ahead and underline that. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which which I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all, For your progress and joy. You want to circle those progress and joy. Because it's the gospel of motion. In the faith. So that in me you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or an absent. I may hear of you. That you're standing firm in one spirit. One mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightening anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them that their destruction of their destruction, but for your salvation, that is from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer. Uh Oh. For his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had now here that I still have. And this is Paul writing to the Philippians church. Remember, he was in prison. And one thing about when one you, of your strongest leaders is in prison, you can have a high bet you can become discouraged. But the Philippian church, if you were here last week, were the ones who supported Paul through all the pain, on the good times and the bad times. There's four things here I want to just cover with you as we go through it. Four things I pulled out of this, this scripture. First one is courage. The second one is consistency. The third one is cooperation. And the fourth one is confidence. And we're going to unpack these. Courage. Paul had courage to first make a stand put his, his uh, foot in the sand and said, this, this is what I'm about. My life is to honor Jesus at all costs. It does not matter the circumstance. His mission is more important than my circumstance. It doesn't matter the trials I go through. My mission is to express his kingdom any way, anyhow possible. It takes courage for a man and woman to stand in the midst of pain and still move forward. It takes courage to even stand and say, it doesn't matter to me what happened. Maybe God's people messed me up, but Jesus Christ has never messed me up. And his mission has to go forth." It takes courage and conviction to move forward in the midst of pain. Like I told you this week, America's been through some pain the last 12 years. And the opportunities are endless. But it's going to take people of courage to forget the past. I don't trust the president. I don't trust this. Who cares who you trust? Just trust Jesus and let's turn this world around. Yes. We learned this in the military. They, they beat it into us. Sometimes it's our greatest gift and a lot of times it can be a curse to people. How can you just move on? It's tough. But they taught us it's necessary. Me and my wife experienced one of the hardest things we dealt in Okinawa, Japan, we, had a, we had a, were coming back from an exercise about the typhoons about to hit the island, and an aircraft, and a, um, one of the helicopters crashed, and it spun out and just killed a couple, how many people, two? Six people. Well, that was in Korea. Two guys got killed, and we just left, my truck just left out of that and we stopped, we got to the other side. Do you know what the military's plan for that was? The next day, get up and fly. We'll have a service, we'll do a missing Man's formation, get back to work. Why, they were teaching us about wartime. You cannot spend too long on that which is gone. You have to move forward. Sounds bad, sounds harsh, but it kept us focused. It kept us from dealing with the past. What about, what about, what about? I know you have to move what about what's in front of you it's tough but look at Paul what about me being stoned left for dead what about me being kicked out of synagogue what about me being locked in the inner prison what about what about what about he says I don't mind I don't care I'm going forward it takes courage guys to move forward with this gospel Are are you going to have some pain? Yes, you are. Some of it's going to be self-inflicted, but a lot of it's going to come from someone else. Nothing worse than self-inflicted pain. The gospel, guys, it's not a playground. It's a battleground. We're in a fight. And Paul realized that. To be with you guys, win. To go with Christ, win. When you look at the Greek on this, to die is gain. To, um, to live is Christ. We put the, they put the is in the later translation, translations. The original Greek says, to live, Christ. To die, gain. What a statement. How do you stop a guy like that? How do you stop a church like that? Are we all there? No. So we're learning, one thing I learned the last 12 years, can I give you a hint? I read Revelations. It's not going to get any easier. So we might as well get used to stomping and putting our backpacks on, and let's get it done. Because those don't know, there's those who don't know Jesus who need us, who do know Jesus. So it takes courage. See, this Christianity is not one of these fake, crazy things that we sing songs for two hours and do nothing. It's about going in the, in the kingdom of hell and pulling people out. It's a rescue mission. It's not Sunday school. You learn something, but it's about, really, the people in your life, the people in your, your family who don't know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. How are they going to know Jesus? Through you. What an honor. That I don't have to be perfect to be used. In all my flaws, thank you, Lord, we'll talk about today in repentance, how he sees us a lot better than we see ourselves sometimes. So, when we look at courage, Paul, again, he says this though, through the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus. Guys, we cannot live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot leave him home. You have to be energized by the Holy Spirit to walk this life out. It's not about your personality, not about your gift. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's not by your power, not by your might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And when he talks about the lived, to Christ and dies gain. Do you know life is what's? I'll write this down. Life is what we live. Uh, life is, life is what we are alive to. Give you a, let me give you a um. Example. How many men love the mall? Y'all afraid to raise your hands? Y'all don't like. It. How many don't like the mall? Come on, dudes. My wife loves them mall. She says, no, nah, I don't. But she likes it better than I do. Okay. Help me with the story. Okay. Okay. So that. she goes to JCPenney's and all these places and, you know, because it's got a better sale here, so we're going to walk everywhere and get the sale. If you ain't got $10, we ain't going to make the cut. <laughs> Serious, got to be a $100 dress for $10, otherwise it's staying in the store. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, it's the mall. <laughs> and I like the bigger malls because they got coffee for the guys to sit and hang out. But... Walk by. Here's my weakness. You walk by. Would I come alive in? You walk by one of the um, kitchen gadget places? I'm alive. <laughs> she said, let's go to Barnes & Noble. I'm going to kitchen gadget. I called her from California. They got some good stuff in here. <laughs> she says, walk out of the building. <laughs> what happened? It came alive. I came alive. I said, yeah. I didn't want to make this check. I'm in the, I'm in the Kitchen place, I'm alive. Paul says, I'm alive when I'm walking with Christ. I'm alive, I'm fulfilled when I'm doing his work. See, life is what you're alive to. Don't put your false hope in stuff you can't take with you. A lot of us get excited about work, but you have, you notice, it can end tomorrow. But God, Jesus never does. That's why life is what you're alive to. If Christ is your life, you are alive like I am with them kitchen gadgets. And I'm looking for an electric knife that cuts, and there's no rush because I need it by Thanksgiving. (laughs) But that's what I'm alive to. What's your hot button? What's your hot button? What what really, man, what really gets you going? That's what it's about. He had a single mind and Christ was his life. As us, as we are become disciples of Christ, Christ ought to be our lives. Guess what? Can I tell you? The church is not my life. Christ is. Yeah. When I connected to this church years ago, it was about Christ in this church. Not not the leaders. They were cool. They put me to work. But they planted something here over 20-something years ago that Christ is here to do the work. And the mission never changes. Now, people do. They get older. They lose hair and all that kind of stuff. But not Christ. So I Paul, when things would change, he was, Christ is everything to me. Now, to him in the beginning, when we get to chapter 3, his education was everything to him. But when he gets in, chapter 1 sets up the rest of the book, but Christ was everything to him. So the first thing was courage. The second thing is consistency. You know what the greatest battle, the greatest um, determinant of the devil is? A consistent life. The best way to beat the devil is be consistent. Consistent in your devotions. Consistent in with God. Consistent with being in the Holy Spirit. Consistent in relationships. He can't touch consistency. He can touch that which is left open. And when you're not with God every day, and you're not in his word, and you're not in his presence, you become unprotected. Now you might have to come up with your own way of doing it. You don't have to spend an hour. Technology? Just drive down the street and let the word speak to you. But it's Consistency. Being consistent, that's amazing. He said this, because the most powerful weapon, again, against the enemy is a consistent life. But he also says this, let your manner of life be worthy. You know, the manner of life, what that means in the Greek, behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. He was telling them, look, this is a Roman province. Don't look to Caesar as your model. Look to Christ as your model. Live at the level of your creator, the citizen. Because our citizenship, remember, guys, is not here. We're passing through. Paul realized he's going from one life to another life. All you're going to be left here is some ashes and a brick. I worked all these years for an ashes and a brick <laughs> that you could throw overboard. There he goes. What are you gonna do with the brick? Keep the birds off it? I ain't there. Ashes. You know you live your life for ashes and a brick. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Not, I don't know where this came from. That ain't me saying it. Ashes and a brick. I live my life for something that's permanent, Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you got some great parents here. You could tell by your offspring where you're planting your life. They're going when you we go, we have a legacy to leave behind. I love it when I see some of these. I, I told some of these new people, some of these college students, i gonna start putting their own little baby pictures in the class so I can see how they went from infancy, singing in the back, to singing up here. A legacy. Something permanent, not ashes in a brick. Said, "Live your life worthy of the gospel, worthy of your king. Don't live below that. You don't. We don't do well living below that. That's what he was saying: a life worthy of Christ." Our model should not be the prayers or sinned. Our model should be Jesus. You know, I realized something lately with technology. No one has a problem sharing their opinion on gun control. We believers, we got it down. You just as Texas, you want my guns? Come get them. I wish you had the same passion that you have for God, I mean, for the guns that you have for God. You want to know Jesus? Come see me. Everyone's passionate about the guns. It has nothing to do with the guns. It's the person behind the guns. Guns are amoral. has no feelings. You can't tell a gun, don't don't fire. It's the guy behind it. We get them born again, you ain't got to worry about gun control. You ain't got to worry about your taxes. Because with his love, you don't need a law. When you law, you need less love. That's what it's about. People need love. They need to be transformed. And all those laws that we're fight, that cost us money anyway will go away. You don't need it. That's why we're so passionate to give away food. We don't want people on welfare. Why do we have to do that when we're the church? You guys are amazing. You gave away 183... Um, Pounds of food just the other day. Give yourself a hand. People being blessed because we're going to be the church to give stuff away. That's where the glory of God resides. That's where the help of God resides. That's where the love of God resides. We don't need a law. We need more Christ in each and every one of us. We don't get tripped up by stuff. Christ is our mission, that's our heart, He's our vision. I'm not going to get through this. (laughs) Ephesians 4-1 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. Guys, you got the highest callings on your life if you're walking with Jesus. You don't have a temporary or secondary calling. Every one of us. It doesn't matter about your education level. you got the highest calling there is to call. What a privilege to go through it. Man worthy in which you've been called. Say, I've been, you've been called. Say, I've been called. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. You yourselves are a letter of recommendation written in our hearts to be known and read by all see when we talk about our worship experience this is what it is a worship experience but you know where people are seeing Jesus Christ do this point to you you are a letter you are being written people are looking at you and your response to things your speech your manners is being read by all. We're being read by everyone outside this place to see, are you really believers? This is it Jesus that I read in the hotel room? Is that the one I see walking down the street? What an honor. What a privilege. At the, when we start walking to the level, you can tell the difference. You can tell believers. You've seen us in Walmart. We all flock together don't we? Hey, how you doing? I had a great time Sunday morning. There's something up there. Everyone's glowing, but no one's getting out the way. Because I got to shop and get out. But you can tell the difference when we come together. Not just in this place. We can drive miles all the way to Austin and get together outside a place, a church and man, there's something different about you guys. There's something different about you guys. How about when people see you at work? Can they tell the difference? It's a question I had I got asked this week. We're supposed to make a difference. Because you gotta be credible before they want to hear it. We have a show me economy. Show me something. Show me that Jesus is good. It's amazing but it's exciting because when you, give, you lay it all down and you say, you know, at the end of the day, Christ is going to be extended. He's going to be glorified through me. We did a great job. Let's go home. I've never seen anybody laying on their deathbed wishing they spent more time at work. You know what they try to capture? The moments they missed Because life goes so fast, we miss the moments of life. The last one is, because I'm jumping ahead. (laughs) It's the one I ended with is confidence. Paul saying at the end, guys, don't be afraid. It, it, it love, I love it when he says when you one mind, one spirit, striving, side by, this used to be a song, side by side, and one head in the same direction. So don't worry about the enemy because he can't take out two people. It's for their detriment because they're going to find out when you're walking side by side because they say the world says that's impossible, they're going to say, uh-oh, These guys are serious because they actually really love each other. (coughs) Side by side, have a confidence walking together. That's one of the hardest things to do as a church, isn't it? All different backgrounds, all different belief systems sometimes. But when we walk side by side, how powerful that looks. You know what the world says? That me and Terry can't go downtown and have a meal unless we have to be police officers. Because why would we get together? That's not normal. I love hearing that. That's not normal. Don't be offended by it. Because. That is what we're doing. Is uh, glorifying Christ. That's all we're doing. When we walk together. We're glorifying Jesus. Now. He likes, he wears country boots, he wears uh, cowboy boots. I told him he gonna wear, we're gonna have a short contest with the guys. we gonna wear shorts, he's gonna wear his boots, I'm gonna wear shorts and some socks and some skips. I told Rich, you need to put some shorts on. And then we're gonna eat a meal together. Gonna glorify Jesus. <laughs> and all the men said, I'm not doing that, man, I'm sorry. But one thing I want to end on this is this do you know and we, get, we look at it different when he talks about suffering do you know suffering is a great privilege suffering is a great privilege and a gift from God when he says that you are you're handed to you Christ and you're handed to suffer for Christ Wow! that's one thing we're going to talk about in the Bible now, if you walk with Jesus, it's proof that you are walking with Jesus if you're suffering for his sake. Not suffering because you did something crazy. You're suffering because you're, you're spreading his word and you're making a difference. And it's, it'll, when you get a hold of this, it'll, it'll cra- change your mind. Go to Acts chapter 5, 41. We'll pick up the rest of this next week. I love this. Then they left. this is the, the, uh, the guys, the disciples, chapter 5, the word of God spreading. They, go to, they get put in jail, right? They go to jail. So they're in jail for a couple hours. Some angels came. Come on out of there, man. Angels opened the door. while the guards are still standing there. They come the next month. They're in there. They're not there. He told them this. Now I got you out of jail, don't run away. Go and preach the gospel in the square. Can you hear that? Wait a minute, we just got arrested for that. You want me to? Let me find another angel. I'm going to find me an angel that's going to agree with me. Go back. The guys found out the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the guys with the law, pulled them in there, and they said, Look, one guy got smart. He said, Look, man, don't mess with these guys. If it's from man, it'll come to nothing. Man, but if it's from God, we can't stop it. I love that. So they beat him and sent him out. Now, when you get beaten, you know when I got spanking growing up, we cried a lot because we got hit hard. And you're like, (laughs) now these guys are laughing. They left the presence of the council rejoicing. That they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the what? The name. What a mindset. <laughs> Are we there yet? Working on it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They just got beaten. And you parents know y'all beat your kids sometimes? Some of y'all do, not anymore, I know. Sorry, we're not even allowed to say that on tape because I go to jail. Anyway. And you're not, and then you're going to go out laughing? This is good. I got beat, man. This is great. My mom would look looked at me, are oh, you crazy? You laughing? Come on. you going to rejoice? I gave you my best stuff. Go get your dad. Good, good with the piano, bro. I got to end this thing. That's what I like about doing books, because we got, God's going to speak. And I can see why they were, I can see why they were so, so, they were rejoicing. This is a scripture that I want to encourage everyone out here when you leave. Some of you are going through some things. And I can feel it. And I wait, our team can feel it. But this is a scripture when you're going through something. Sometimes you think it's bad suffering, but this is a scripture in, in First Peter um, 5. Make sure I get out of it, 5.10. I love this. This is St. Peter. When he got beat, he's, he's rejoicing. And I can see why he's rejoicing. Because, you know, they used to open the door after you got spanked and say, come get some ice cream. And like, I'm not coming out there. You just, who are you? And they would get ahead and my mother would try to restore me and tell me why I got spanked. But look at this. 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered, uh, What? You mean not the McDonald's way? Line one, line two. No, a little while. Depending on how long, it could be five minutes, it could be five hours, it could be five years. I don't know. And God, and the God of all what, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself. Oh man, He didn't send no angel. He came down Himself to restore, to confirm, to strengthen, and establish you. You're going through something. God Himself is coming to see you this week. He's coming to see you. I can, while well, you can rejoice, on my worst days, he's coming to see me. He said, Dusty, you having a bad week? I don't like school. Dusty, I'm coming to see you. To restore, to confirm your calling, to strengthen you from the inside and reestablish you as a rock here in this community. Whoa. So suffering's a gift. Because it strengthens my relationship with him. Now, does it feel good? No. But it is good? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Everything you've gone through is going to strengthen you, not make you worse. Everyone stand. We'll finish up next week. Well, we got a whole 16 weeks on it. No, just kidding. Eight weeks. I want to encourage you. The God of all grace... Look at me. The God of all grace is only going this way. He's only moving forward. You're going to have to let go of the past, the hurt, the pain, all those things. People say you're not who they're. They're lying because the God of all grace says you're awesome. God of all grace says start over again. In fact, it ain't going to be you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit in you. This stuff back here, you might have got done wrong. That's fine. That's all right. Big deal. I know it hurts at the time you're going through it. But guess what? God of all grace says, I'm here to restore relationships. I'm here to confirm your calling. I'm here to strengthen you from the inside out. And I'm here to establish, reestablish your presence here on earth. Reason why? Because you have something to say. You got something to do. You got somewhere to go. The gospel emotion is always moving forward, regardless of what's going on in your life. Man, I love that stuff? Now believe it. Because at any time... Any time, excuse me, At from 13 on, I should have just called it. I should just say, forget it. Is this what life is about? Forget it. I'm done. Then I would never met the love of my life. Who didn't have that come across? Your mind? I'm done. Can't take no more. Death, I don't like death. Can't take no more of this. And I even screamed at him. I said, I can't stand you. He said, that don't mean nothing. I was there with you when that happened. I was there with you when you turned this age. I'll be with you all the way to the end of the age because you got something to do. You're going to help people get beyond that stuff. People say, how come you don't cry at funerals? I don't know. I know what that death looks like. But I also know what life is so much better. I know what the disappointment looks like. But I know life is so much better. I know what the what it should have happened. I should have been here and should have been in this school. I should have had all these other things. She should have never gave me up. She should have never did all this. But I know that what happened back then established me, strengthened me to be here today, to help establish and strengthen other people. Because whatever's going through you, you went through, you're still here. Turn it over, roll it over. because so if you don't you won't do well When well, they told us in the Air Force if you don't fly tomorrow you're never going to get back in the air if you don't start going back out you'll never win this thing and I'm not talking to someone here today it might have been bad last week it might have been good the last five years but you're still here yes. talking about my first 30 years were they good Oh, no. That's why I can start at 55 over again. Because it's never too late. But what that was, it was training me to withstand stuff. To confirm, to establish that personality you see. He's always moving forward. I didn't feel that way 40-something years ago. Whatever hole you think you're in, as long as you're breathing and you got breath in your lungs, <laughs> it's tomorrow, it's the next day. Take it. Get back with Jesus. Get back in the motion. Be consistent. If you're going to get convicted, get convicted, get repent, and walk it out in faith. Don't let your baggage ruin your, your presence. Don't let your past dictate what's going on in your life right now, what God wants to do in your future. I mean, I just want to tell you that. I know I went over, but I wanted to share that with you. Was it the hard track of life? Yeah. But was it the best track of life? Here's the thing. Someone asked me, would you do it all over again? You know how God is? Yeah. Because if I took wrong, long turn, I wouldn't have met her. If I met wrong, long turn, I wouldn't have had a son. If I would have met long turn, I wouldn't be walking for Jesus. So I couldn't do anything. Why would I change it? It's really the greatest life in the world that you chose me to go through the pain for life. That's not bragging. That's like, wow. Is there more coming? I'm sure there is. But I'm ready for it. And I don't know how devastating it can be. I never want to shy away from suffering, guys. But we can't give you a whole gospel unless we know that you know there's going to be some suffering going on for your faith. There's going to be some stuff going on. But I want you to make a decision. I'm not going to be in a playground anymore. I know I'm in a battleground. And when we're walking together in a battleground, I bet you you can't touch me. Because I got my partner with me. And he got two or three other people. That's what it's about. And I watched a lot of you come out of some bad stuff. And look at you now. And this church is known for that. Take what everyone rejects and make them a prince or a princess and send them out to change the world. That's what's in this place. Take young teenagers. They're crazy now. They don't hear nothing. I was the same way. But they hear a lot and they'll change the world. If we keep it up and keep our foot in them, just kidding. Trusting Christ is not the end of the battle. It's the beginning of new battles. Thank you. It's a battle. But here's the greatest thing. When we're together, we're cooperating. We have the confidence of the Lord. You are chosen. You are called. Shake it off. And I'm not trying to be um, mean or anything. This is my DNA. I don't know how to do, but go forward, because I tell you what, if I did I stay in the past too long, there's no hope there. And I can't blame other people. should blame my dad. Sydney. But guess what? If Sydney didn't give me up as a child, I wouldn't be here today. Sydney did the best thing he can do. give me away. So I love Sydney. Never met him, but I love him because he did the righteous thing he can do at the day he had it. Suppose he kept me. You wouldn't be seeing me. I went through the why gods. So a lot of you going, why God, why God? And you know what God's saying? I learned, why not? If I'm building something beautiful. If I'm crafting something great. The callings that you have on your life is fantastic. But you gotta be, I gotta craft you into to receive those callings. That's what I like about discipleship. Does that. Have our leaders come forward.